Hi everyone, welcome to the NBA Agents Podcast. Are you curious about NBA student life in the US? Do you worry about how to navigate your NBA life? If so, you're at the right place. NBA Agents is here to empower you to overcome different challenges by sharing tips and recommendations from many other Asian NBA students. We want you to be prepared for the crazy NBA world. Are you ready? Let's get it! Hi guys, NBA Agents time. I'm Jay. And I'm Jacob. You know what, Jacob? Whenever I'm hearing our intro music, I want to have a drink. You know, the sound of opening beer cap, like... So today, what about talking about BYOB? So what is BYOB, Jacob? Yeah, so BYOB, it's an acronym of bring your own bottle or booze or beer or whatever. So basically, you bring your own drink to the party. And oh, then interest, yeah. interesting. So like when did it start? Like do you have any history about BYOB? Yeah, I mean, I think the you find BYOB in some kind of restaurant. So they have this kind of BYOB policy. You can bring your own beer to the restaurant. And the reason is that um actually in US if, if you are a restaurant owner, you want to serve liquor in your restaurant, it's actually cost you a lot because you have to buy the license in order to serve alcohol in your restaurant. So some restaurant, they're trying to save the money. So they do this BYOB stuff so people can just bring your own beers into the restaurant. And sometimes you have to pay for it but sometimes you don't. So it really depends on the restaurant policy. Interesting. So like, but as you may know, nowadays we are using this word for many of our social events. Like when we have uh, some recruiting par party or like section party, like many guys are using BYOB. So this word is not only for restaurant owners, but we can easily use this term in our daily life, right? Yeah, actually, a lot of NBA party that I went, they all said BYOB. So you can see from the invites, it's like party Friday BYOB. So at the beginning, I don't understand what it is. And then I Google it. And then I realized, oh, okay, so that means I can bring my own um, beer. And if you don't, actually, if you went to the party, there's nothing you can drink. So if you saw oh, interesting. that, make sure you bring your drink. But it can be anything. So, it doesn't need to be beer. So do you have any, like, did you have any specific experience about BYOB? Or how do you think about BYOB? Yeah, so like I said, there's a lot of parties here in Michigan, in Ross, that people bring their own drink. And for me, it's actually a very good thing because I... I'm allergic with alcohol, so I can actually oh. really drink. Oh, so sad. Not, nah, yeah, but it's okay. I, I still having fun during the party without, oh, you know, without getting drunk. So, but yeah, so, so what I say is, what I mean is like, because I don't drink beer, and if I go to the party that, you know, it's only served beer, and then this, you know, that I, I can't drink anything. Drink anything. So it's a good thing that I can bring my own drink. It can be anything. It can be Coke. It can be, you know, like water. I don't know. Orange juice, whatever you want to drink, you can bring anything. So 
it's it's kind of good for me, but I'm not sure for you. I know you're a heavy drinker. You drink a lot. What do you think about this BYOB culture? By the way, I am a heavy drinker, but that doesn't mean I drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes I like this BYOB and sometimes I don't like it. Like, uh, there is a one time that BYOB event. So I want to bring some vodka because at that night, I want to be wasted a little bit. But like, so I, I bring a one vod- vodka, but everyone else except me brought some just bottle of beer. So like bring the vodka, it's a little bit not suitable for that environment. So I think that's one of the, not a problem, but for me, sometimes it's not easy to what kind of beer or what kind of alcohol do I have to bring that party? So that's a little bit awkward moment for me. Yeah, you're right. I think it's kind of like if people were being judgmental, they can, you know, they can, they can see you or, you know, they can tell like what kind of drink you, you brought and then to judge who you are. Right. Yeah. In this case, you're probably an alcoholic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> people who carry so, a vodka around with them. <laughs> so I'm curious about culture in Taiwan, like Taiwan also has a BYOB culture? I don't think so. At least we don't have this specific term in Taiwan. And we don't really have this house party. People usually just go to the bar or go Mm -hmm. to restaurant, which they offer. So you can just order the drink there. So you don't really bring your own drink. And in most of the restaurants in Taiwan, you are actually not allowed to bring your own drink or food as well. What about in Korea? Uh, almost similar with Taiwan. Like we usually go out and go to a restaurant or a pub to have a beer or whatever, some alcohol. In case we have a home party, like most time the hosts are preparing for everything. Like they are making food. They bought alcohol before the party. So normally, the guests uh, guests don't need to bring some alcohol. Instead of the alcohol, they are bringing some present as a kind of small um, house appliances or something like that. But we don't bring alcohol because, like, that's. I think that's a real big difference between United States and Korea because we have a culture that host is host should prepare everything. This conversation makes me want to have a drink right now. Let's have a quick break and we'll be back with a interview. Last week, we talked about tech industry recruiting. But there are numerous industries or companies that MBA students can join after their school period. From consulting to consumer packaged good company, students try to pursue their future path. And we think the more stories we can share about recruiting, the better tips and recommendations we can give to our audience. So this week, we're going to have one more episode about recruiting. Let us welcome Kelly Song, a second-year MBA student from Talk School of Business and Dartmouth, 
to share her recruiting experience with us. Hello, Kelly. How are you doing? I am doing good. Thank you. How about you? Yeah, we're doing great. It's a beautiful Saturday, by the way. Yeah, it's also my pleasure to talk to you guys. I mean, <laughs> on this beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we、um, jump into our topic today, let's learn more about you. So could you kindly briefly talk about yourself,、um, where you're from, and then what you did, what did you do before MBA? Yeah, absolutely. So、um, I'm Kelly Song. So I'm originally from China. I grew up in the city、um, called Guangzhou in the southern part of the country. So、um, before I graduated from university, I spent three years working in banking in Hong Kong, focused on、um, global corporates. And after that, I felt like I had already reached a point where I need to pursue further education. So I moved to the U.S. to study、um, international relations at Johns Hopkins、um, in Washington D.C. And so I also during that time I also applied for business school. And before I went to business school, I spent some time in South Africa and a country called Mozambique to do some research in the agricultural development of African countries and help the government there to develop. A food security strategy. So that's basically what I did before business school, and I'm right now a second year student. Wow, that was amazing experience you have being like in Africa and in doing research. That's that's not everybody have this kind of experience. So,、um, so maybe you can talk about like why you pursuing your MBA and why talk specifically. Yeah, of course. So for me, um. Going to pursue an MBA is like a natural decision, because I work in banking, and almost everyone there、um, at some point would go for、um, grad school education. So I just follow the path of some of my fellows and think about、um, MBA. So the reason why I applied for Tug was because I really want to use. The two years of MBA to experience something new and something different from my previous life. I grew up in big cities. I work in big cities, so I did not ever have a chance to experience the lifestyle in countryside and small town. So I'm really excited about、um, spending two years away from big cities, but to be fully immersed. Um, in a small town, in a close community, to really focus my own development, to build close relationship with people I know, and also to have reflection、um, about what I really want to do in the future. So that's why when I apply for MBA, I only apply for schools that located in small towns, such as Tuck, Darden, and also Michigan Ross. Yeah. And the reason why um talk um I eventually chose to go to talk was because I was very impressed by the beautiful nature of Upper Valley, and even though it's quite far away from Boston, but I still felt like um I had a great experience with all the people and the nature environment here. So to me, it was not a difficult decision. <laughs> yeah,、um, I have the same feeling. Because then、um, studying in a small town is really good for you to build a more meaningful or strong connections within the community, 
and also keep you focused on either school or recruiting because you have less attractions like you know cities like New York or um, LA because there's so many things you can do besides you know study and hang out with friends. So um, since we're talking about recruiting for this episode, I wanted to ask you um, which company you interned for the past summer and just kind of talk a little bit about what's the company and then what did you do um, in the company? Yeah, absolutely. So um, over the past summer, I worked for McKinsey, um, the management consulting firm um, here in the Washington DC office. So I have already signed a written offer and make the decision to go back to the firm um, when I graduate. Yeah, so, you know, the summer experience this year was a little bit different because we're not able to go to the office physically. So no travel at all, which was actually great for, um, yeah, probably <laughs> actually great for people like me who um, is concerned about having very intensive travel plan. Mm. Yeah, so I spent the whole summer in my apartment working virtually um, to help a public sector client to um, um, develop a plan for their COVID response. So um, what I basically did was to help the client to understand the whole healthcare systems in the US in a holistic way and also to determine where resources need to be allocated based on the different trajectory of the COVID cases in different cities and states in the US. Um, I really enjoy my experience because it's very um, intellectual challenge. I need to understand COVID really well, both you know the pathway of its development and also what are some um, very specific equipment such as ventilators and all those, you know, personal protect equipments that the healthcare workers need to wear. I need to understand all these things very well. And it's also very meaningful because I can see our PowerPoints being presented to the key decision maker in the government every day. And I knew that they're actually making decisions and actions based on our suggestions. So that's a very, very rewarding experience to me. And I enjoy it a lot, even though it's quite intense because we need to have presentation every day. But yeah, so that's why I make a decision to go back. What a great and amazing experience. Like, and it's glad to hear that you got a return offer from the McKinsey Consulting Company. So I'm curious about, so you work as a banker in Hong Kong for three years and coming here and you also have some experience in South Africa and now you are heading to consulting company. I'm curious about before you start this MBA experience, did you want to go consulting company? Is it, was it your uh, primary goal when you joined the MBA or do you have some other goals before starting MBA? How did you set up, how did you um, clarify your goal after, as a, after MBA? Yeah, that's a really great question. So honestly, before I started my MBA, I have a plan, but not a very specific plan <laughs> at all. So I, I only know that I want to um, spend some time to work in the US because I did not have that experience before. 
and I also knew that I hope to become a global citizen in the future. Um, that's more like a long, long-term, lifelong plan to try to understand different cultures, stay in more places, and explore new things. And another thing that I had in mind was I knew that I I wanted to do something related to social impacts um, in my long-term career, especially international development that's inspired by my experience in South Africa. So I really hope that my professional career path would be in the field that related to, you know, international development at some point. But having all these things together, so I try to find some career options that can best serve my long-term purposes. So I talk to people from banking sector, from tech companies, and also from consulting club, um, consulting firms. And I realized that consulting industry is probably the place that can best align all these elements that I was looking for. Because um, McKinsey is a very global company and they give you all the opportunity to work on both domestic and also international projects. And they also gave me the opportunity to develop the skill sets in terms of problem solving and communication that I believe would be most helpful um, for my long-term goal. So that's why I just end up choosing to go to consulting. Um, but at the very first beginning, I did not have a very specific plan. So I learned that by talking to a lot of different people. Yeah, I think that's great. Cause I, I believe like most of the MIA students in the very beginning of their MBA journey, they don't really know like what they wanted to do. And basically coming to the MBA is the way for you to explore the different options and opportunities as well. So I think for you, that's wonderful. You find like the best suitable roles and companies and industry for you in terms of like your, um, your, your goal and your kind of like your, uh, like you say, like your career trajectory was matched with um, McKinsey. So that's wonderful. So a lot of, as far as I know, like a lot of MBA students, some of them were one going to industry. There's a fair amount of the people who are really hoping to get into this industry. So I wanted to just, maybe you can talk a little bit more about in terms of like recruiting, what's the timeline looks like and what should you do? For example, like when should you start your resume? When start? When do you start to apply and when maybe doing the networking? So just give us like a high level timeline in terms of like recruit for consulting. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for most of the consulting firms, you know, McKinsey Bay and BCG, um, they, are, they have on campus recruiting process. So what I did was just simply follow all the timeline of our schools on campus recruiting. So the timeline, it's, I, I guess the timeline, it's, it's quite similar in different schools, but there may be some, you know, slight differences that you may need to pay attention to. So for me, um, I, I felt like starting from September last year, all the um, consultants, you know, the alumni graduated a few years ago, they came back to the campus to host info section and also office hour for people who had an interest to go to that firm. And it was a great opportunity for you to get to know more about that industry, that firm, and 
make a decision about whether this is actually the place that you want to be after you graduate. So I would say just seize that opportunity. It's like a, it's a mutual direction communication. It's not just your opportunity to present yourself to impress um, the consultants, but it's also a great opportunity for you to understand whether this is your long-term goal. So yeah, that's what I basically did in September. So in October, things started to become a little bit more intense because that's like the peak time of recruiting. We went to um, last year. We still had like a consulting track um, to went to the offices of different consulting firms. But this year, it's only a virtual one, but also a great opportunity for communication. So um, I spend a lot of time, you know, schedule phone call, coffee chat to connect to all the alumni um, in each firm to understand what they were doing and also let them understand my background. Meanwhile, I also started my case preparation because that's like the biggest part of the interviews. So I did yeah. cases with second years and also my fellow first year students. Mm-hmm. I spent like I schedule like three or four cases every week. Um, with second-year students to try to practice more and also hear their feedback. Yeah, so October is, was the busiest time. And once it came to November, um, it's time for me, for us to submit our application. So I spent the first week of November working on my resume and collector and all the material that need to be submitted to the system. And after, yeah, after that, I think, um, all the decisions about whether we can go to the interview or not would be released um, right before Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. at that time, I already knew what are the firms that I would have interview with. So I spent the time in December, that's after the Thanksgiving holiday, um, to do more preparation, such as you know prepare for behavior questions and do more things to wrap up my case. Yeah, so, and in January, we had all our interviews in campus for the first round, and then um, we went to the office that we applied for for final round interview. Yeah, so that's basically the timeline of consulting recruiting. I know consulting recruiting is one of the hardest recruiting because it starts really early compared with other industries such as tech industry, because I am recruiting for tech industry and most of the tech industry thing in Vast starts in November or December and the interview process goes until February, March. And sometimes some company recruit MBA students in May. So it has a really long range of the, compared with the tech uh, consulting recruiting. So I know you decided where you want to go, like consulting company, after you joined MBA school. Then do you have any strategy for your recruiting? What I mean is, because some people have a really specific goal when they entered an MBA school. So like, I want to go banking, I want to go consulting. But like you, you decided consulting after you joined MBA. That means maybe you can have another plan, like plan B or a plan C for your recruiting. Did you have some, this kind of strategy on your recruiting? Yes, yes, I did. So in addition to consulting firms, I also applied for some, you know, general management rotation program. 
um, for companies in different industries, including healthcare, manufacture, and also retail. Yeah, so I honestly, my first choice was to go to consulting, but it's I know that it's really competitive. So mm-hmm. I try to find some, you know, plan B for myself. How did you decide to like? What was your criteria when you when you make a plan B? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So my criteria was actually very straightforward. I went to the website and I filtered all the companies by whether they support visa for international students. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really straightforward. And after making that filter, I realized that I only have like less than 50% of the companies who came to our school for an on-campus interview, they're still on the list. So I just go for that. Oh, what about off-campus? Like, have you thought about off-campus recruiting too, or only you focus on on-campus recruiting? Yeah, I also focus on off-campuses, but I did not focus on general management program for off-campus opportunity. I focus more on, you know, some social impact, impact mm-hmm. investing opportunities um, when I did my off-campus research. But the reason why I end up not pursuing those was because, you know, the timeline. Their timeline was usually in spring semester. So that's right. Really, um, after I got the offer of McKinsey, so I just did not spend really a lot of time on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great to hear you have very clear structure or clear strategy of your recruiting plan. So that's really important for, especially for um, all all MBA students to to have like understanding or to have a very clear picture on what you wanted to do in terms of the timeline so you don't miss out opportunities which is very important because a lot of times if you missed you missed and then you know it's it's hard and then i think the other thing i wanted to mention is for our listener which most would be internet international students uh visa is really definitely one of the most important thing you have to check if you wanted to work in the u.s so I'm wondering, have you considering the different consulting companies that, uh, in the Asia office or you're only focused on the office in U.S.? Yeah, that's really a great question. I have a lot of things to talk about in this aspect. <laughs> so I apply for both um, Hong Kong office and also U.S. offices on the same time. Mm-hmm. So for McKinsey, I apply for U.S. office. But for Bay and BCG, I apply for Hong Kong office. But the interesting thing is I thought it would be easier for me to go back to my home office, but I end up not getting any offer from oh, wow. my home office, but I got an offer in the US. <laughs> yeah, that's really unexpected. So I, I was trying to figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one reason was probably because, you know, um, the Asian Pacific office, they were not hiring a lot of people this year. Um, mm. Due to COVID, because COVID, the outbreak of COVID started much earlier in Asia right. Pacific compared to um, US. Right. Yeah, and also I know that there are a lot of fellow MBA students, not just from my school, but from all the other business schools. They really wanted to go back, so they spent more time focuses on Asian Pacific offices only. So yeah, because my strategy is more like um, I have to focus on two regions on the same town. 
So that's why compared to them, my preparation is probably not enough. Aha,、uh -huh. I think that's an interesting point. And then、um, it's good to know, like, because what I heard it may be a myth, but I'm not sure because I heard like for Asian people who wanted to recruit for like U.S. office, it's it's very hard. Um, so a lot of people just you know do go back to the their home country in, in Asia. But I guess in your case. Are like different, like we reversed. So actually, you got an interview from the U.S. office, and then you got in, which is amazing.、Um, so I guess that gives a lot of people that you know it is is it is still possible for you to apply、um, the offices in U.S. So I think it's, it's a good good sign for for other students as well. Yeah, agree. So honestly, I felt like many Asian students have I don't know maybe image or. Understanding that it's more、mm -hmm. difficult for them to apply for U.S. offices, but、mm -hmm. I felt like that's not necessarily true. Yeah, one reason is probably because in U.S. we have more offices and we are hiring more people compared、mm -hmm. to Asian Pacific. So in terms of you know the scale, it's so it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's more difficult. And another thing is, I I guess why um issue or difficulties. For Asian student, when they choose which office to apply, as compared to American student, we don't have a very good story about why I wanted I want to be in this city. Yeah,、mm. because we're new to the country and we don't quite understand the differences between、um, different offices. So it's really important to have a great story, you know, about why you want to be here and what you can bring to the office. That's That's probably the most important thing that I guess we need to prepare if we want to apply for U.S. offices.、Mm. I think that's a, that's a great suggestion. So that's really good. We're gonna switch gear a little bit to talking about、um, in terms of like the recruiting process. So there's um I think there's a three major components. So one is like networking, and then you know documenting documenting stuff like. Your resume, your cover letter, doing your application, and then last but not least is the interview. Especially for consulting, I think the case was like very, very, very important. So that's、um, let's talk about this three big component a little bit. So、um, firstly, I wanted to ask you about networking. So which you kind of touch upon a little bit before saying like, because for for consulting you have to network with a different office. So it's not like. Talking to just one specific、um, recruiter or one specific, like、um, I say, department. So you can based on the different office, you have to do different networking as well. Like you say, you have the great story about this city and why you wanted to go that specific office. So, do you have any、um, tips other than just you know prepare a good story of why you wanted to do the city? Um, other than that, any other any other good tips you want you can share with our audience about networking for consulting? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the most important personal takeaway I have after going through the whole process it's、um, to focus more on quality over quantity when you approach networking. Because I I realized that. It's more important to have one strong connection with people who know you really well and is willing to speak for you, 
um, to help you get an interview and help you with the preparation um, more than just simply network to a lot of people without giving each of them a very deep impression about your background. So I guess, yeah, it's more important about how you allocate your time and energy, whether you just simply talk to more people or just focus on people who really understand your background. So that's, I think that's the most important personal takeaway I have um, in terms of networking. How do you usually start the conversation with the recruiter? Yeah, so... <laughs> Because um, most of the recruiters, um, they're talk alumni. So I usually mm -hmm. start a conversation by saying, oh, thank you so much. I know it's so far away um, from uh... your city. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah. start off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and then we'll spend some time talking about the winter and talk, talk about the bear that <laughs> frequently <laughs> showing up in our community. <laughs> Oh, what a good like opener as a uh, like making some conversation, like talk about how fun it is and the winter life of talk. And as you mentioned, the bear and deer, which is really interesting story for us. Because even though Ross is also kind of countryside, but sometimes I can see deer, but not bear in this area. Because I think Ross is a little bit, it's not that much countryside for me. It's more about urban side. But I heard talk is really countryside and really remote area. And I think that could be a really great uh, topic to start off your conversation with the recruiter. So, so after you start networking with the recruiter and then you have to drop your resume to the many of the company, right? Yes, yes, I did. So um, our deadline to drop resume was before Thanksgiving break. So mm -hmm. we just simply right. submit all the application to different firms. So how did you prepare for your resume? Like I know many MBA students, they start to write down their resume right after the semester begins. But like, is there any specific things you did to make your, your resume attractive or like, remarkable compared with other people? Uh, yeah, so I also started to prepare for my resume um, at the beginning of four semester. Yeah, but another thing I did before I submit the resume was to ask some, you know, second year student who interned in consulting firm to look at my resume and understand whether it makes sense for them, you know, in the eyes of people who work in consulting firm. Yeah, so they helped me to um, like um, they helped me to emphasize a few key points that people in consulting firm are looking for, such as teamwork, um, client management relationship, um, client relationship management, and also um, analytical skills. So I guess that's the reason why um, my resume um, was able to stand out um, in during the process of um, resume um, selection. Yeah, so let's go to the last but not least, which is actually is very important part is interview for consulting. So a few questions I have. One is that what's the general tips you can give when people were preparing for their case interview? Yeah, that, that's another great question. So um, my answer is quite similar to 
um, the networking one, it's same、mm. quality over quantity. <laughs> I know people have like a natural tendency to believe that their case capability will、um, improve as long as they do more cases. Yeah, but I realize that、um, once you reach like a certain point, for example, like twenty twenty five cases, it's more important for you to really take a step back to do some reflection. About、um, what are some of your pros and cons, your strengths and weaknesses in doing the case, rather than just simply scheduling more cases with people. Yeah, so that's one thing. And another thing, it's、um, also try to follow up with the business news. Even though I know all the consulting firms that they tell you that your background doesn't matter, it's more about your structural thinking skills. But I felt like、um, by looking at you know Wall Street Journal or economics, like some business journals like that, you will have better sense about what's going on in the business world. And also,、um, it's a great opportunity for you to practice your structural thinking skills、um, in your daily reading. You can just set aside like five minutes time for yourself after you finish reading the article to think about oh, if this is the situation that I need to.、Um, Tackle for my client. How would I approach that? Yeah, so that's like a small, very helpful exercise that people can do in their daily life. Yeah, I think communication is probably the the one of the most important skills that for all the MBA students across all the industry. So I think that's a great way for people who wanted to practice their um think thought process and communicating information to. To to your client or to your stakeholders, that's a great way to to practice. So the other question I have is like,、um, you mentioned there's on-campus interview, and then once you get into the second round, you have to fl- fly to the office to do the, I guess it's the final final round. So is there any differences in terms of like interviewing process、um, between on-campus and then the the final round? Yeah. So in terms of the format and processes, I felt like the first round interviews and final round interview were pretty much were very similar.、Mm-hmm. Usually, it's one case and some behavioral questions, and you will have like five minutes to ask questions、um, from the interviewers. Yeah. But the only difference is it's、um, for on-campus re-、um, interviews. Usually, it's like associate or engagement manager to be your interviewers. But once it comes to the final round, you need to talk to all the partners in the、mm. offices. So they're more senior, and they not only want to understand how good your case capability is, they also want to understand more about your background, your、mm. the reason why you want to go to this industry, and also your interpersonal or communication skill. So they focus a lot more on those behavioral questions. Because they want to make sure that they're confident to put you in front of the client, so I felt like that's the、um, the different emphasis is probably the only differences between my first round and final round interviews. Okay, so we talk about a lot, like、uh, resume, cover letter, networking, and also interview, which is really important factors when you in a process of getting a job. But except those things, do you have any other recommendations in terms of the recruiting process? Because our job, the reason why we are doing this MBA journey is just we want to give our audience as much as 
recommendations and tips so that they can go through all this hard MBA life. So any other uh, tips for this recruiting process? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, one of my regrets um, from my whole recruiting process was I did not spend time to talk to people from industries that I was not familiar with, such as no venture capital, agriculture, consumer goods. Because after I finished the whole process, I realized that you know, the past one year was probably the best opportunity in my whole life to explore different industries and really understand um, the options in front of me. Because, you know, once it comes to second year or after graduate, even though you can still switch industry and switch function, it's not like your first day, first year of MBA where all the different options are open for you and you have the free time and, you know, opportunity to explore more. So if I could do this, you know, differently and also possibly as one suggestion for first year, is try to explore as much as possible because you realize that there are some very secret or more surprise behind each opportunities. Because I'd also talked to some of my fellow students who intern in a company that they have never thought about. It's by only by, you know, talking to people in that industry, they realize that, oh, this is actually what I want to do in the long term. But before that conversation, they did not know that. So that's why I would say try to explore as much as possible to seize the opportunities. Yeah, I agree with you, Kelly. I think MBA environment is really good place to hear from our friends about what kind like their background histories and some other industries. The one thing that I figure out after coming to MBA is I was really focused on my job when I was in Korea, but after I came here, I can hear a lot of different stories and which inspired me a lot. And I am really, I become open to other industry or other opportunities that I've never thought if I stay in Korea. That, I think that was a really great point of MBA and having these amazing friends here. So let's change the topic. You know, the these days, because of the COVID-19, every situation has been changed a lot. Like we did in-person recruiting, like we met recruiters and we have an in-person meeting with many of my friends. But this year for the class of 2022, they are doing everything in virtual. Like even they do some recruiting process in virtual. Like I also joined some uh, company info session, but that like executed by virtual. So in this case, uh, what do you think about this virtual process, like recruiting process, and how uh, the students of class of 2022 can handle this situation? Yeah, so honestly, sometimes I'm feeling sorry for first year of MBA students because they did not have the chance, you know, to experience the first year of MBA in the way that I did last year. So it has become more difficult for them to make connection to people on the virtual environment. But on the other side, you know, thinking about the location of our school. So it's actually a benefit because now the recruiters, they do not need to travel all the way from, you know, New York, Boston, or even DC um, to Tuck. They can just sit in their own 
working space at home to have a Zoom meeting for you. So that actually means that you may have more time. The recruiters may have more time and energy to really listen to your story and to build a deeper connection. Yeah, so for me, <laughs> I would say, um, well, this is what everyone has to um, accept because this is the reality, but try to be positive and focus on um, the benefits um, under the virtual environment rather than um, the flip side. I think it's a really positive thinking, like they have more energy to listen to our story. So maybe we have more chances to have a networking session with the recruiter as a one-on-one because when they come to the school, since there are too many students who want to make some impression to them, actually there is not many opportunities, especially for international students, to have a good uh, talking session with the recruiters or with the employers from, from that company. But since now they have a lot of time and they can just make a Zoom meeting via this screen. So maybe for them, they have more time to listen to our story and they have more energy to make us some one-on-one conversation with MBA students. Yeah, I think the only downside I can think of is that you will not be able to start a conversation with thank you for traveling all the way to talk. <laughs> Very yeah, true. Yeah, Good but, call. I mean, you can still talking about like how many bears you see this year. So... Very good. <laughs> yeah, but, but I would start my conversation by saying that I'm glad that you don't need to travel oh, all the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry that you cannot see the bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's, that's great. Um, so actually, building upon this question, I want to ask in terms of like case interview, what do you think would be different um, in terms of like in-person and virtual? Or, or is it the same? In, in your opinion? Um, it's quite different because, you know, under the impersonal setting, the interviewer will be able to see um, the structure and know your calculation. But mm-hmm. now it's almost impossible, even though you can hold your scratch paper in front of the camera, but the interviewer won't be able to see all those details. Mm. So now it's more, um, so the communication skills, you know, presen- presentation skills matter a lot more because you need to assume that the interviewer cannot see anything, but you still need to articulate what you have, you know, in your structure and in your calculation clearly. So I would say, um, try to practice more, even though you can practice case with your classmates in person, but still try to do it on Zoom to get used to the Zoom environment of presentation. That's a, that's a great point, I think. So our last question, which we ask all the our guests in the end of the interview. So what is the one thing that you wish you had known before starting the MBA? Yeah, I wish I known that there would be COVID and <laughs> be able to travel. <laughs> that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, otherwise I would quit my job earlier and, you know, spend the time before my MBA to travel a lot more. Because my parents, they did a road trip, you know, from Guangzhou to Tibet and all the way up to the north to Inner Mongolia. So I did not join them because I told them that I would have so many opportunities to travel in my MBA. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't happen at all. (laughs) 
That's so true. I mean, I was expecting to travel around, at least within the U.S., because I have I've have only been to like a couple cities on the East Coast or West Coast, but I've never been to like cities in the Midwest except for Michigan. So I was looking forward to kind of getting to different places through through the two years of my MBA life. But I think it's probably impossible now, especially under the COVID. So yeah, I guess I would say hope if I knew well I my Defer as well, like most of students. <laughs> but yeah, um, all right. So thank thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing your great experience. Um, that's really helpful, and I, I'm sure people who are interested in applying for consulting, they can find a lot of information and value through this episode. Yeah, thank you so much. It's also my pleasure、um, to be here, and I hope that you know all my experience will be helpful for students、um, who are looking for opportunities in consulting industry. Today's show was with Kelly Song from Talk Dartmouth and China. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. You can find us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Plus, from this week, you can also find us on Amazon Music. New episodes come out every Tuesday U.S. time. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on MB Asians on Instagram and Facebook. Share it with your friends. Stay tuned and see you next week.